Welcome y'all to Catch These Vibes. My name is Charmonique. I am your host. You are listening to my 90s series. I'm going through 90s movies and we are just vibing like that. So, season four, episode 21. So I do want to remind y'all that As of right now, we are doing this 90s, oops, my bad, we doing this 90s series until, until the end of October. So let me go ahead and go through the schedule for y'all. So right now we are doing single white female. First episode of August. Next would be Stir of Echoes, Nothing to Lose, Beauty and the Beast, The Fugitive, Set It Off. And then let me see. So those that's the schedule up until September 6th. And then let me get the the rest of September. So the rest of September will be Ease By You, Kiss the Girls, and then The Wedding Singer. So I have October schedule. It's going to be spooky vibes, so I can't wait. But I have that schedule. I haven't released it just yet. So we're going to wait till we get a little bit closer around that time. And then I will put out the schedule for October. Um... And I haven't decided just yet. I mean, I've already said that I wanted to do 90s music. So I'm just like figuring out the schedule for that. So I might do that. So this is what I have so far. This is what I'm thinking. So up until, so for the remainder of the year until maybe January, February, I'll do like 90s music and then maybe I'll switch it. I don't know. I'm kind of feeling like doing 2000s. Like, I kind of like, I'm digging this movie, decade movie type thing that I've been doing. So, we after we're, we're done with the 90s, once I feel satisfied that I've, I mean, because I'm not going to go through every single 90s movie that was ever created. I mean, no, that's not, that wasn't my plan. So, no. Uh, But I'm thinking after I feel satisfied with the 90s movies, if nobody like sends any any requests, then I might switch it up to the 2000s because I, the 2000s were very important to me also, almost just as much, probably more than the 90s because in the 2000s, that's when, you know, I was a little bit older and, you know, really understood you know the movies that I was that I was seeing so in the 90s I was you know I was still a little kid I was still a little baby but in the 2000s it was just a little different so I'm thinking about doing the 2000s as well we'll see I haven't completely made up my mind just yet but I know that after we go once we get through October I don't know I might take a little break and then we'll start up again with the 90s music, 90s albums. 
some of my favorite, do that for a couple of months and then switch it off to a different 90s topic or to a different decade. I might, oh, well, so when I first did the survey, I had two other categories and I believe the one that was in second place was the comfort movie series. So that was just a series. That's just a series when I talk about some of my favorite comfort movies or movies that could be deemed comfort movies, period, not just mine. And maybe I'll I'll get some of y'all comfort movies and talk about them. But that was another topic idea. And then the other one was the the um giving out flowers series. So where I just talk about a certain person, whether that be an actor, actress, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a celebrity. It could be anyone really that I feel like deserves their flowers. Um, that was another series because I've done that in the past. I did one for Regina King and also did one for Julia Roberts. Um, and I also do it like in different episodes, I've done it like little segments where I, I wanted to talk about a specific person. I've talked about like Gabrielle Union before briefly, you know, just random um, people that I just felt like giving flowers to, you know. So I do that a lot. And I did come up with like just doing like a whole series where I do that. So that's another option. I mean, there's so many different things that I feel like we could talk about that will just be a vibe, you know, it's unlimited, unlimited options. But yeah, that's just to give y'all a little bit of insight into what this podcast will be looking like in the future, the near future. And just to keep y'all in the loop, that's what's what's going on. Okay, so I don't say I don't be telling y'all nothing. I'll be keeping y'all in the loop with my plans and my ideas and whatnot. But yeah, so let's go ahead and get into this episode. So we're going to be talking about single white female. I really, really love this movie. This movie came out in 1992. It stars Bridget Fonda, Jennifer Jason Lee, Steven Weber. Um, we also have Peter Friedman, Steph, is it Steven? Steven Tobolsky. Francis Bay, and where's my dude at? Where's he at? Where's he at? Hold on. Where is he? Where is he? Oh, here he is. I said him already. He just looked different. Okay, yeah, Peter Friedman. All right, so this movie came out in 1992. Let's see, who directed this movie? So this movie was, was directed by Barbit. Schroeder. He also did Murder by Numbers, which I I really love. That's probably one of my favorite Sandra Bullock movies. So he is known for his work on Murder by Numbers um, as a producer. Um, Never Talk to Strangers. Kiss of Death. Hmm. Interesting. All right, so let's look at some of the writers. So the screenplay 
was written by Don Roos, and it looks like John Letts wrote a novel. But yeah, John Letts, Don Roos. Let me look and see if he did something else that I know of. Um, Marley and Me. Oh, okay. So he he wrote Marley and Me, or he was one of the writers for that movie. And Boys on the Side, what? Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right, I fuck with you, Don. Yep. He wrote Boys on the Side, so I fucks with him for sure. All right, y'all. Anywho, so that's the director, and those were the writers of this movie, so Bridget Fonda, she plays the main character. I don't know about y'all, but I would get her mixed with Gwyneth Paltrow. And it's not like they look that much alike, but I don't know. They still, I don't know. I don't know if it's just me, but I, I did used to get them confused. So let's check out Bridget Fonda's filmography. She plays Allison Jones. And there was a movie of hers that I need to watch. I think it's this point of no return movie. Hold on. Fakes the death of a criminal attorney. Yep. I need to watch that. That came out in 1993. So let's see what all Bridget Fonda has done in her career. So, You Can't Hurry Love, 1988. Let's go to the 90s. So, the first movie we have here for the 90s, Frankenstein Unbound. She was in The Godfather Godfather Part 3 as Grace Hamilton. That came out in 1990. She's in this movie called Iron Maze. That came out in 1991. Drop Dead Fred, 1991. She was Annabella. Looks like she wasn't credited for that though. Um, Doc Hollywood, Nancy Lee, and that came out in 1991. And then we have our feature movie, Single White Female, which came out in 1992. Um, the movie that I was talking about, Point of No Return, 1993. She looks like a badass on the movie poster. Um, it could happen to you. She was Yvonne Biasi. That was in 1994. Ooh, that movie Balto. I remember that movie. She was the voice of Jenna. That came out in 1995. Mary Beth Cogan in the movie City Hall, which came out in 1996. Ooh, Jackie Brown. <laughs> she was in Jackie Brown. She Yep, she was the white girl that Robert De Niro, that he killed. Samuel L. Jackson's girlfriend or whatever, named Melanie. But yeah, that came out in 1997. She was in Lake Placid, Kelly, as Kelly Scott, that came out in 1999. And I just like, what was the last thing that she did? Because I haven't... Wow, she hasn't been in anything 
for a long time, since 2001, 2002. Well, I hope she's doing okay. All right, so we also have Jennifer Jason Lee. She plays Hedra, Hedra Carlson in this movie. She's really, really good in this movie. She's probably one of my favorites, probably the highlight for me. I was watching this movie, this interview of her, and she was just talking about having to, just not being able to turn on and off your character because in the movie she plays, you know, someone with psychological issues. So the the interviewer was just talking to her about, you know, playing that type of character and how she was able to do it. And is it something that, you know, you just have to like turn off and like, you know, go, go get a beer or something and relax. And she was just saying, you know, it's, it's difficult to turn it on and off. Um, because that may make it more complicated to go back into it. And as I was watching the interview, it does you could it does look like she really was still in in that character mood. Um, like just the mannerisms, you know, I feel like were the same as the character in the movie in the way that she just looked as far as like, how she was sitting in a chair, how she was moving her hands, all that. It was like she she really was the character. So Steven Weber, he plays Sam Rawson. So let's just get into what this movie is about. Um, so Bridget Fonda, she plays Allison Jones. And she is someone who is an entrepreneur and she has this boyfriend well actually fiance she has this fiance his name is uh sam and they're in love and whatnot and she finds out that he slept with his ex-wife so she finds out he found out or she finds out that he was sleeping with his ex-wife it was really fucked up the way that she found out because for whatever reason the ex-wife was calling her house phone so I guess that because they lived together she had the number and so she called um as they were laying in bed together um Allison she was she seemed comfortable with it because maybe she felt like she could really trust him and, you know, they're all in love and she's engaged to him. So she's not really too concerned about his ex-wife calling late at night, which I don't know why she wouldn't be. I mean, did they have kids? Maybe. I mean, I only re- reason I will understand why that may be necessary is if they had kids, but I don't know if they did. I don't think they, they didn't really address that. So it's like, okay, well, if they don't got kids, then what what is the reason for her to be calling late at night? Like that, it's just not necessary at all. So that part, I was like, come on now, girl. Like, I understand you trust him, but that that didn't even make sense. Like something was obviously up with that. And so she, the wife kept calling, the ex-wife kept calling so the ex-wife has is calling multiple times and she ends up on the like messenger 
the voice messenger. What the shit, what is this shit called? The answering machine? Yes, the answering machine. So she's on the answering machine talking to Sam and saying, like, you just came and had sex with me and whatever. She alluded to the fact that they had sex. And she was just like in her feelings, obviously, because he is going to see his ex-wife and you know, probably leading her on. And so this is how Ali um, found out that he was still, you know, sleeping, sleeping around. And so she's devastated, of course, and very, very um, like, you know, it was something that she wasn't expecting. And so she, she was very emotional about it as anyone would be, you know, this, they were actually engaged. This just wasn't her boyfriend. Like they were, you know, about to take this big step and, her whole life at that point was, you know, surrounded, up, you know, by this man. So her life is just like upside down at this point. So she decides that she wants to get a roommate. It's like she just could not stand being alone. I don't think it was anything. Maybe it could have been about the rent, too, because she was an entrepreneur. And so her income wasn't really steady at that point. She was looking for some clients and she's, you know, ran into a couple issues where I think it kind of messed up her, her business or, you know, getting leads for her business. So she was just having a, a hard time. So she decides to put out an ad for a SWF, single white female, Single white female seeks female to share apartment in W70S. Non-smoker, professional. So that was the ad she put out. And so she she starts meeting, you know, potential roommates. Made this, you know, this bond created so quickly because um, the faucet was fucked up and the water like gets all over them and so they have this little moment where they start laughing and then um so they dry their clothes off and they start talking to one another and getting to know each other and so Allie's like you know I'm feeling this vibe she seems cool and it seems like somebody I can get along with so why not so she decides on Hedra and you know forgets about all the other girls and decides on this person so now she has this roommate. So the roommate thing was going well. Like they were really getting along. When Hedra first moved in, and she goes by Hetty, by the way. So I'm going to start calling her Hetty. So when Hetty moved in, she saw a picture of Sam. And she immediately asked Allie, like, is this going to be, like, are you on the rebound? Like, am I going to have to worry about him moving back in and then I'll have to find somewhere else to live like is that going to be an issue and I feel like Allie didn't really answer her it was kind of a like a she gave her an answer but not actually answering the question she just was like well you know you're here for right now or something like that and so it wasn't really like a straightforward answer because I feel like she felt like she needed to move on because you know, she was hurt and be, and because he did, he did do wrong and she wasn't really sure if forgiving him was what she wanted. And at this point, 
after finding out that he cheated, she she didn't see him. She she wasn't speaking to him. So she didn't really like they didn't really have a face to face conversation for for some months at this point. And so she was basically avoiding him and avoiding the issue. So she know she tells um Hetty like, yeah, for right now, you know, we're just going to see how things go basically. So it wasn't like she really answered the question and gave her for sure no, it's over. Like that's not going to happen. Don't worry about that. One day, Hetty decides to bring this puppy home. And Allie, Allie wasn't really like feeling it. I don't think she was into having a pet. But Hetty was just like, you know, I thought it would cheer you up. And if if you don't want them, I could, you know, take them back tomorrow. So she was sold on the puppy and she she became, you know, really fond of the puppy. So one day, Sam, he just shows up at the house and he tells Allie that he sent her a letter but she never got it. And it really didn't take much for Allie to eventually forgive him. And so I think that's definitely why she was avoiding seeing him in the first place. So they get back together and um, Allie ends up going to his place and, you know, they, they make up and, and um, the engagement is back on at this point. She was like, very creepy, <laughs> like giving real creepy vibes. Like, girl, like, why is you sitting on my bed in the dark waiting for me? Like, I could, I understand you was concerned, you know, I could have like gave you a heads up, but why are you in my room? <laughs> so she was just sitting there and she had a whole attitude with Allie because she didn't call her and let her know. And so she's like, I guess y'all, you know, I guess y'all back together now. I guess I better move out. But at the same time, I do feel why Hetty was frustrated. And I, I understand why that would be irritating because I just moved in and got settled. And now I'm going to have to move out because you back with your, you back with your man. Like, girl, make up your mind. You jumped the gun way too quickly getting a roommate when you wasn't even completely sure if you was over your boyfriend or not. Sam and Allie, they they continue spending time together. He starts coming over to the house and spending the night. Um, They're having sex and obviously Hetty could hear them having sex. And so she just, at this point, she just starts acting really weird, like, Allie had stepped out of the room to go get a drink and then she came back and there's Hetty at her door with her her dang shirt open and it's just like girl what is you doing talking to my man half naked you you doing too much she just starts starts being really weird <laughs> and Allie starts to get uncomfortable because she's starting to see a different side to Hetty at this point. So the next morning, um, Allie wakes up to Sam and Hetty in the kitchen. Hetty made some breakfast and they had this. So they lived in this really tall building and they had this 
this um, window that had this like really fancy curved it's like a railing on the window but it was instead of it just being like straight bars it was like a design and it so there was like curves and things like that and so one of the one of the parts in the screen or in the railing was broke and so Sam was fixing it because they didn't you know want the puppy to have an accident or get out somehow and so he he was in the middle of fixing it and from what I recall he actually did finish fixing it but it was just like it could be easily like taken apart if somebody was messing with it so so he does that and Hetty could kind of feel that Allie was acting different towards her because she offered to cook them dinner and Allie was just like no we're we're actually going to you know go out it's our anniversary and you know we're just going to be out you know looking for a place a place to stay and doing our thing and no that does not include you Hetty so leave me alone so she was basically giving her that vibe and she could feel it and I think that she she had she was obviously jealous and she also got jealous of the fact that her the puppy that she brought home was more obsessed with Allie than her and so when Allie and Sam get back they see that the puppy fell out the window so this was the start of her madness this was the start of Hetty's madness and what do you want to call it just her murderous actions like she just starts to act really psycho from this point on so she was so damn jealous and upset and frustrated that she let the dang dog fall out the window now I think that she threw him out the window um so she pushed him through the little railing part and let him fall to his death because he Sam did fix it and he did close the window and so this was just a, the start of her trying to manipulate Allie's feelings and make her upset with Sam because she wanted it to make it seem like that Sam he didn't fix the window and because he didn't do that the puppy got out and you know died when really she's she the one that you know pushed the dang dog out the window I guess her plan was to get between Sam and Allie because she was like you know I'm not I'm here now and I don't want to leave I love being here with Allie and Sam gotta go so Allie and Hetty end up going to the salon together so Tell me why this bitch walks down the stairs with the same exact haircut and color. And so this is where Allie's like, what the fuck is up with this girl? Like, who does this stuff? Like, why would you think it's okay to get your hair cut exactly like mine's? Color, everything. And... At this point, she's definitely, like, her suspicions 
are she's like on high alert and decides to go through Hetty's stuff. So once they get back to the house, Allie goes through all her things and she finds a picture of her and her twin sister. So Hetty is was a twin sister or was a twin and her sister died when they were little. And the way that she passed away is through um is by drowning. It doesn't really say if or speculate like I guess you can speculate if she had anything to do with that or if it was actually an an, an actual accident. But I guess you could they kind of leave that up to your imagination. So she found some newspaper clippings that talk about the incident at a family picnic. Um, She also found the letter that Sam sent her. So when her and Sam first got back together, when he showed up at the house, he mentioned a letter and she never received it. So the reason why she never got it is because Hetty hid it in her things because she didn't want her to read it and, and, you know, get back with him. So that was her way of preventing that and, you know, stopping any rekindling between those two. So Allie decides to follow Hetty out after Hetty takes her new cut, her haircut out for a spin. She sees that she is walking around impersonating her. Uh, She goes to this nightclub. Everyone's dressed in black and there's people in cages. So some freaky shit going on. And at this point, I would have been like, okay, yeah, she's she's weird. There's something definitely wrong with this girl. She walked around impersonating me. Somebody walking around impersonating you, that's a big, big red flag because ain't no telling what they gonna do or try to do as you. So she immediately goes and confides into uh confides in her neighbor Graham. So she um, is really close with her neighbor. Um, he lives, I think he lives above her. Um, and he's played by Peter Friedman. So he, she starts telling him about how she's, um, her roommate's been acting weird and she's been doing different things. She got the haircut. She, she's out impersonating me. She's doing all this weird shit. And Graham immediately is telling her, you need to kick her out. Like, she's a lunatic. You need to call the police. And you need to um, try to get her some help or something because this is behavior of a lunatic. And this, you know, can't end well. So I'm I'm with Graham. I would have definitely been like, girl, it's, it's time to kick her out. Like, but Allie, she was such of a such a nice person and such a pushover that she didn't really she was just too nice and too forgiving and too understanding and she just was like no I can't kick her out on the street and maybe I'll give her a couple weeks or something um when it was just like you know she needs to get out of there immediately Graham is just like I'm gonna call somebody and speak to my psychologist friend and see if we can get her some help and see what he thinks. 
Hetty ends up getting home and she overhears Ali speaking to grandma about this or about her through the vents. So as Graham and Ali are speaking to each other and Hetty hears this conversation that they're having about her. So she realizes, okay, um, Allie's on to me. She sneaks into Graham's apartment. Once she sneaks in, Allie, um, she she hides. Allie even ends up leaving. And Allie goes to their apartment and calls. She she has the number to Hetty's family. So she calls and leaves a message because she's genuinely concerned and wanted to speak to her her parents just to get some insight and see if they could help her. Um, you know, if she's unwell, like if she's truly unwell, she wanted her to get get help and talk to her parents about it. Hetty, she's in Graham's apartment. He she ends up attacking him um really badly and knocking him unconscious. So she goes back to their apartment and she goes directly to her room, ignoring um, ignoring Allie. Um, so the phone rings and her father ends up calling back. He calls back with the with this sense of urgency because most likely he has been really, really concerned about Hetty and wanting to know where she is. So when he got the call from Allie, I'm sure he was um, really happy to get that call because now he has some type of an idea of where his daughter is. And so once he calls, Hetty is the one that answers and he's just like, you know, have you been getting the money that we've been sending you? Um, we we need to see you. Um, we we want you to get some help and no doctors this time or something along the lines of that. And so she, Hetty ends up calling or hanging up on him and telling him not to call there anymore. Once the once Allie realizes that she's on the phone, she's she tells her that she's she was waiting for Sam to call. And so Hetty begs her to to leave the phone alone because uh, this part uh, this part really irritates me because it's like, girl, you know something is wrong with this girl. Like at this point, you know something's wrong. Like all of the signs are there that this girl is emotionally unwell like psychologically there seems to be some issues so you need to be a little bit more you know she just needed to be a lot more cautious at this point and for some reason she just wasn't and so she let her hog the phone for the rest of the night and knowing damn well that she could have she was expecting a call from Sam that she was expecting a call from one of from her parents and it was just like why would you let her have the phone if you know that you're expecting these calls so that part I just couldn't stand but so Hetty she she held the phone hostage in her room and Sam ends up calling Allie was expecting his call but for whatever reason 
she went in her room and ends up falling asleep and knowing damn well that she was expecting his call. Um, so she, so Hetty has this idea to go see Sam as Allie. She already has the haircut. She has, you know, the perfume to smell like her. She has the wardrobe to look like her and be convincing that she's really her. So she goes to Sam's apartment and poses as her and she starts kissing on him and it's, it's dark, so he obviously can't really see her, but he, he smells her scent and he sees the haircut and and all that. So it's it's very 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 believable that she's really Allie. So she realizes he well, he realizes that it's not her. Hetty really wanted to use this as an opportunity to show that Sam was gonna con- continue to be a cheater. And so she was just like, yeah, now, now, um, Allie will know that, you know, you're not good for her and that you're a cheater. And so this was all a part of her plan to get Sam out of the picture. So Sam's obviously like, you're crazy. Like, I'm, I'm going to tell her that, you know, that's not true. And you just need to, you're like clearly obsessed. So he starts saying different things to her that, made her really really upset so she ends up ends up stabbing him in the eye with her heel so this is another kill this is another attack at this point this is the she she attacked the dog not only attacked the dog but killed the dog by tossing him out the window she attacked Graham, and then she just killed sam so she's just really on this murderous path and has no idea what she's really doing. She's doing all these impulsive things. So she ends up going back to the apartment. It's uh, the next morning at this point. Um, Allie wakes up to find Hetty cleaning frantically. So she's cleaning the apartment, bleaching it down, um, moving all or packing all of her stuff. So Allie's just like, okay, you know, let's just talk about it. How about I make us breakfast? And, um, I didn't think you were going to be moving out so soon. You know, she's trying to be, you know, nice because at this point she doesn't, she obviously knows there's something wrong with, um, Hetty, but she just, she doesn't know yet that she's attacked and killed all these people so far. Like she doesn't know she attacked Graham yet. She doesn't know or have any suspicions that she was the one or that she was responsible for their puppy's death. Like she doesn't know about Sam yet, none of that. So she's like, you know, still calm and just like being, still trying to be nice to her or whatever. And Hetty's just like cleaning up and packing her stuff. Cause she knows that that at some point they're going to the police are going to be at their apartment because she went to the to the you know Sam's place she was people saw her there was witnesses to this woman and, and her with their haircut so she knows that the police are going to be most likely coming there sometime that day with questions so Hetty, she leaves the apartment. She's moving her things to the um, 
down in the, the basement area of their apartment building. And so Allie, she's preparing breakfast for them. She has the news on and she overhears a, the news report a death. And she knew that, that it was at Sam's residence. And that, and they, the description, he fit the description. So automatically she was concerned. She picks up the phone and calls and asks for his, his, you know, apartment. And the person that answers the phone, you know, says, I'm sorry, ma'am, but there was an accident. And so she immediately knows that it was Sam and that something happened to him. So she's like distraught and, um, panicking at this point because she's like, oh my goodness, did she do something to him? Like, what is going on? So Hetty comes back. She finds Allie tripping and crying. And Allie tries to play it off like, um, I must be sick or something. Because she just she just threw up. And she so she was in the toilet throwing up and crying and just freaking the fuck out. And so Hetty, she, she realizes that um, Allie is on to her. She left the the hill with the blood still on it that she had used to kill Sam. Um, and so Allie, she tries to get away. And but at this point, you know, Hetty's like, I can't let can't let you go. You know that I did something to Sam. Um, she says he came in my mouth and got upset because I was going to tell you about it. So I had to do what I had to do. So that's the way she justifies killing Sam. And so at this point, she feels like um, she wasn't the one there. It was Allie. Nobody's going to know that it was me. Like, I don't really exist. Like, all the signs point to you. So she was pretty much going to frame Allie and use that as an excuse for them to run away together so that was her plan to pack up all her stuff she had already been cleaning all morning and getting rid of her fingerprints and so she um wanted them to run away together and be on the run but as she made it seem like you know they're gonna they were only going to be looking for Allie and not her because all the signs pointed to her so they go up to grandma's apartment because she, um, again, knocked him unconscious. So she was using that, his apartment basically as a safe house because they, most likely the police was going to be going to look for Allie and ask her questions since um, Sam, um, you know, was her fiance and she would be the first, you know, person that people would, you know, want to question, especially since the people at the front desk saw someone who looked like Allie leave his um, apartment. So they go to Graham's apartment. Allie is tied up. Hetty goes to cash a check. And Allie tries to escape. Now, Graham, he's still alive, which... It's very surprising. I don't know why she didn't just kill him. Um, but I don't know if she just thought that she knocked him out so bad that he was dead. But he was in the bathroom in the bathtub. But he still was alive. 
And so because he was still alive, he was able to help Allie get out of the apartment and, you know, give her a chance to try to run away. And so Hetty ends up shooting Allie in the arm and they get into like a physical fight. And, you know, this this part is a really cool scene, just this whole part of um, Eddie trying to get Allie and, and kill her. How Allie has to, like, be tough and defend herself because this whole time she wasn't necessarily weak, but she just, she didn't really, like, show her strong side. You know, she just, all we really saw was this woman who, got cheated on and took the guy back and was just like so so nice to people that she didn't really speak her mind like she didn't really she was giving this crazy lady the benefit of the doubt knowing damn well she should have kicked her out right away but she didn't and now she's having to like fight for her life so they get into a, a physical encounter and Hetty shot her Allie was able to get her back and kick her ass, stab her, and get the fuck away. She comes out on top in the end. Allie learns her lesson to stop being so goddamn trusting and speak up and stick up for herself because she, you know, really wasn't doing out doing that throughout the whole movie and that's why she kind of got into the situation because she didn't want to be alone and she was so desperate to have a roommate uh, she let this lunatic into her life as far as Hetty she was just someone who was a twin who blamed her twin's death on you know on herself her whole life and she was just living, trying to fill the void of her twin, developed this relationship with Allie and thought that Allie would be like the twin. And that's why she she got the haircut. She started dressing like her and trying to be more like her and kind of trying to take over her life. She really felt like that person, that Allie was the person to like replace her twin and so now she thought that they could have that type of relationship and the way she went about it obviously was not the way to go. Everything could really have been prevented if she just would have allowed her family to help her and get her, get her some help. But that's why this movie is a thriller because Hetty, she really needed some help. And um, I just think that Jennifer Jason Lee, she performed in this movie very, very well. She played the lunatic role really good. Like, I really love her in this movie. And I think Bridget Fonda did really good as well. So this is one of those movies of the 90s that I love. Um, it's like one of my favorite thrillers of all time. They actually did make a kind of like a, a remake of this, but it's called Single Black Female. I didn't watch it, but let me see. So yeah, it came out this year. It stars Amber Riley and Raven Goodwin. So it's pretty much the same, same storyline, same type of plot. Single Black Female was directed by Shari L. Carpenter. 
actually I want to give this movie a chance. I want to see what see how they did the storyline, see what what they did to like recreate this this story and this movie. So I'm about to I'm going to check it out. I'm going to give it a chance. But yeah, so they're single black female. If you're interested in like a black version of this movie, it's out there. And yeah, check it out. I would say this is definitely one of my favorite movies that has to do with like a roommate. Um, The other one would be the movie The Roommate that came out in 2011. Um, that stars uh, Leighton Meester and Cam Gigandit, Minka Kelly. Um, what, Nina Dobrev is in this movie? Hmm, interesting. But yeah, I haven't watched it in a while, but I do remember that it's a crazy-ass movie, for sure. So that's another one of my favorite movies as far as, you know, crazy-ass roommates go. There also is a series on Netflix called uh, The Worst Roommate Ever. Oh, okay. Worst Roommate Ever. So it's a TV mini series that came out this year on Netflix. It's definitely worth the watch. Just talks about these crazy encounters with roommates. And it definitely makes me very cautious about ever getting a roommate. I mean, I don't see myself ever doing that, but... If I ever had to, um, I, I wouldn't, basically. Motherfuckers is crazy. Deranged. So, that will be um, our episode. Sorry if I'm a little bit um, low on energy throughout this one. I just had a really long weekend. Um, my son had his 14th birthday. So I was like really, really on mommy mode. I mean, as always, but like for real, for real this weekend. So it's just been really busy and I am tired. So hope you enjoyed this movie. If you haven't seen it, please check it out. And until next time, love, peace and hair grease.